0: Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to The Dr. Sandoval Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Sandoval. Happy to be here with our Catholic audience, our listening audience, our worldwide audience, whoever wants to learn a little bit more about the Catholic faith, try to understand what it means for us, and really try to find peace and health as far as our mental health, our physical health, and our spiritual health. You know, there's so much going on in the world today. There's so many um, controversies going on, obviously, a big war uh, going on in the Middle East, and really made a lot of people stop and think and ask me, well, Dr. Sandoval, what can we expect? What's going to happen now? What's going to happen in our future? Um, and it's a good thing to talk about. It's a good thing to process this. Um, but before we do that, let's go ahead and get started here at the top of the noon hour with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same christ our lord amen Saint, might defend us in battle be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil may god rebuke and we humbly pray and do thou prince of the heavenly host by the power of god cast into hell satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world seeking the ruin of souls amen In the father and the son of the holy spirit amen well folks Lots of concern. Um currently obviously there's a war going on in the Middle East that broke out. A lot of questions about is this a prophetic war, the war between um Israel and Hamas and um people are saying, Hey, this is prophetic, Dr. Sandoval. this is end times. This is uh um we're talking about final judgment, we're talking about Jerusalem, we're talking about all these different things. And the reality is we don't know. You know, at the end of the day, we don't know. We could Uh, speculate. A lot of it is just speculation um, as to what's going to happen in the future, you know, as to any kind of end times type of prophecies. It's always speculation. It's always interesting. I always, as my listeners know, I always enjoy reading about, say, uh, Marian apparitions, and I just find it fascinating to see what the messages from Our Lady are, if they are messages from heaven or not. But one of the big things that I think we need to do is Um, especially in times like this, is one be grateful that so far we are living here in a relatively peaceful land. We have our own wars, we have our ideological wars, we have uh, different wars where some people do feel uh, oppressed and aren't able to speak their mind. Sometimes we feel like we're not able to speak our mind about our faith, lest we be judged as well. Um, And there's different levels of war, but we haven't been yet told we must leave our homes. We haven't been relocated. We haven't had that level of intensity quite yet in our home. So we've got to be grateful for that, I think. I uh, always tell my listeners, when you think that the world's all shaken up, ask yourself, what's really shaken up around your immediate environment? That's one of the most important things, I think, to consider, uh, because it can be disheartening. Uh, anytime there's a trauma, obviously, in the United States, we might have different wars against nature, uh, where you say that, You know, hurricanes come through or big uh, natural events as tornadoes come through, big earthquakes that could destroy people's homes and have to rebuild. So a lot of times it's just a lot about rebuilding and that's hard. That can be really harsh, but we haven't had that sense of, hey, somebody's trying to uh, attack me and I have to get up and move and and leave. What's going on in our immediate environment here? Grateful, obviously, that uh, our good friend Jesse Romero was able to come back um right away on from his tour group out in the middle east and in, in israel going to visit the holy land uh, always a risk i've been there once and that was one of the things that we were always concerned about was what's going to happen if i go to the holy land and do i expect i re- i still remember to this day um as we were going over and this is you know years ago as many many years ago about you know 30 years ago 35 years ago uh we were going over to the holy land and i was part of a tour group myself and one of the things that the tour group said is uh he turned to me and a friend of mine who is also a hispanic background and he said you know you two might want to be a little bit careful as going in there because just be aware that you look very arabic and that could cause issues uh for some people you want to be careful about that and i remember being there and uh being very concerned because i thought gosh if i'm in the middle east and just because i look arab that could that could be concerning he said, yeah, some of the, the Jewish people might not like you because of how strong the conflict is. I never appreciated it. It was a long time ago. I didn't appreciate what the war was like in the Middle East or the tensions, I should say, uh, between the different uh, religious ideologies and the the um, fight for the land and whatnot. I, I didn't have that kind of a concept of it. I do remember walking down the street with my friend. Um, you know, part of a tour group, Catholic tour group, we wanted to go, it was exciting to go see the Holy Sepulcher, it was exciting to go visit Bethlehem, and uh to drive around, and just kind of see, wow, this is where Jesus was walking around, Um, that, was, that part was exciting, the part that kind of took away from that, initially, I would say, was, we were walking down the street, and we had just gone down to a local cafe, had a little espresso, had some, or some local coffee, I should say, uh, and we just wanted to, you know, soak in the culture. Sit on the sidewalk, walk around. It was nothing going on. And then we started walking back to our hotel room. This is middle of the day, probably around lunchtime. Started walking back to our hotel room. And you know, in Israel, there's always this. Um, all the all the citizens, all the kids, when they come of age, just like in many countries in the world, they're obliged to do what's called a military year. So they have to join the military, and they have to be uh training and they have to be ready to fight for their country if there ever needs to be a fight for the country and this is mandatory i remember my cousins in latin america some of them had to depending on their country uh had to train with their military as well and they had to give a year's worth of their time and be soldiers and that was just mandatory it was for the men in latin america it was for the men uh, now i don't know if it's men and women in israel when we were there apparently there were men and women uh, you could see them fatigues and they had, you know, rifles everywhere, and um, it was an interesting time because as we were there, there was the usual tension—not like now, not the intensity of what's going on now—but there was just the usual tension. And my buddy and I had just enjoyed the tour group. It was it was a great uh, experience to be there, great experience to see the Holy Land, to see where uh, our Lord and Savior walked around, um, and where the apostles were, and really where the roots of our religion started. Um, it was beautiful to to even have that experience but we're walking back from our coffee shop and i remember there was a group of uh soldiers so it looked like young you know 18 to 21 year old uh men and women walking and they were walking in uh in um they're wearing their fatigues and they were you know in, in in a squad type uh formation so they were just in about three four rows and they were walking down the sidewalk and they were, uh, you know, just kind of doing their thing, military thing. And then whoever was in charge of the group turned around and looked at us. I still remember to this day, we were we were just kind of walking and we just, I didn't think much of it. You know, there's soldiers there. I have nothing to do with them. Uh, and as we were walking down, I remember uh, the the troops started to get a little bit more intense. They saw us of the leader saw us. It was a pretty empty sidewalk. It was just us and and them. And he said something to them, he, turned, he saw us, and he turned around and he said something to them, and they got really serious, and they got really, um, you know, really straight-laced and and shoulders up and everything, and they started to chant, and they started walking towards us, chanting, chanting, And they, but then they started kind of doing a troop formation type type of uh, march. So it wasn't just a regular stroll that they had before. They took on a different march, and they started to chant something. I couldn't make it out. I wasn't sure what they were saying. And as we walked by them they were swinging their their flag and they swung it right over our heads and we just kind of ducked a little bit they weren't looking for too much conflict we just kind of ducked a little bit and kept walking we didn't know what that was all about and uh, when we got back to the hotel room we asked our tour guy and we said hey this kind of happened it was a little bit odd i wasn't sure what was going on because it felt like they wanted to hit us but i wasn't sure and you know we had to duck our heads and the uh, tour group guy said oh yeah see i told you guys you guys kind of look like you're arab so so there's just a lot of tension going on. they don't you know there's a lot of wars going on. I tell that story for a few different reasons. one, it opened my eyes to wow i you know i I wasn't aware of what was going on in the world at the time I was very young um i you hear about things, but you just don't appreciate the intensity of it um to just be walking down the street and to see that they are already uh having these these wars and and factions and their own ideologies but it's an interesting story and in that to me, it reminds me that when we travel when we go somewhere, we gotta be aware of I don't know what I'm getting into. I don't know what um I gotta be aware of the lay of the land, and now I'm there, and I fit into it. here, I thought, well, we have nothing to do with this we're we're just coming to visit um you know why why would that have happened to us? Why are that sense of animosity uh towards us? but I had to realize, hey, you know we're coming into a situation that's already there. It's not necessarily our fault, it's just gotta be aware of what's going on around you. So on the one hand, I, I can appreciate right now how intense it might be. I'm not there, so I can't appreciate to that level. Um great to have Jesse back because obviously you're with an American tour group. Um you kind of get that feeling of, hey, I'm just here touring. I don't, I'm not part of this fight, but now I gotta evacuate very, very quickly. And that's good. I'm glad that they were. I'm glad that they were able to do that. Um, Many people probably still back there trying to get out, trying to get away from um, possible catastrophe over there, uh, whatever it is that's happening. All right, folks. Welcome back to Burger Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to The Dr. Sandoval Show. Today we're talking about what do we do for ourselves when we hear about these... Wars, calamities, crises in the world. What does that mean for us as Catholics? What do we do, especially uh, if we're worried about any prophetic messages coming true or anything along those lines? Before the break, I was talking a little bit about uh, my experience when I went to the Middle East, when I went to Israel uh, to go take a tour of the Holy Land. Beautiful experience, but I became very aware of the very real, very tangible conflict uh, that was occurring there, you know. As a tourist, had nobody told me about this, had I not had my experience there, um, probably wouldn't have thought anything of it. And usually, living here in the United States, if you've never been, you hear about things on the news, but I don't think you appreciate. We, I don't. I don't know that we can appreciate the intensity of what's going on uh, without having actually uh, been there personally and experienced it. So it's one of these things that you know, as we see it unfold, as we're watching the news, as we. Here are stories from our good friend uh, Jesse Romero, who was able to come back safely. Thanks be to God. Um, you know, we can start to look at. There's some some intense stuff going on, but it just reminds me now of, or it brings to mind, a lot of times uh, when people ask me things like, "What can I do to prepare for?" The, you know, the coming of Christ, what can I do to prepare for end times, what can I do to prepare for any of these prophetic messages, such as even, um, you know, I'm worried that there's going to be three days of darkness, even though the church hasn't necessarily spoken on that or officially approved it, but if we look at the uh, messages, I'm worried about, um, you know, all these things with Fatima, Fatima private revelation, but obviously we pay attention to it, but I'm worried that, you know, Russia's spreading her errors and whatnot, and what what can I do, Well, folks, what I can say is this. One of the things is, are we still living a Catholic life? Because that is going to be expected of us no matter what. Can we live a Catholic life to the point where we say, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world, whether it's peaceful time or whether it's a time of conflict or chaos, am I still living the sacraments? Am I still doing what I know uh, is going to be asked of me? when my time comes to pass because i think we get comfortable we get comfortable when we hear about man there's war somewhere else or it's a time of peace i'm, I'm living in a time of peace and we don't think quite as much of yeah i gotta make sure i make it to church well you know if i miss Sunday, it's okay because i'm a good person and i can go next sunday and i'll go to confession no big deal i don't know that we appreciate it as much uh as if if we were in the middle of a war torn place i think that that's the only thing we want to do is say hey we got to get to church we got to make sure that we're doing our prayers without that comes before anything else because you know we got to pray that there's the end of the war we got to pray just in case we pass away uh just in case there's a death but i think we kind of have to have that mentality at all times as catholics not necessarily uh, that i'm worried about dying every single second i know that death is going to come to us but to say, hey, I got to be prepared no matter what, so that I'm not so scared, so that I'm not so um, frustrated. Well, what can I do in the meantime? What can I do to prepare for even, let's say, the regular wars that we're fighting here, the regular spiritual wars that we're fighting here? Where, you know, am I able to share my faith with uh, with everybody and and it be okay and not be persecuted? That's a great question because a lot of people feel like, hey, we're ha- we're also having our own spiritual war here. Our, our own martyrdom, if you will, as Catholics, because some people say, hey, I, I would love to sit there and and talk to people at work about what I really believe, but if you do, well, you're going to be chastised, you can get fired, all these different things can happen, and it's it's a very frustrating place to be um, for a lot of Catholics. Well, what are we doing in the meantime? One of the things I always tell people when they say, Dr. Samuel, well, this is stressing me out, what can I do? As a, Is there a good self-help book? Self-help. And I say, yeah, there's a, there's an excellent self-help book, actually. A lot of people say, well, do you have any books? Do you have any, do you recommend any titles? You should really read this or that. And I always say the same thing, and people just kind of look at me and walk away, but, um, well, no, I shouldn't say walk away. They look at me like they were hoping for that I would say something different, but I always say, yeah, read the Gospels. Look at the followers of Christ. Look at the message that Christ gave us. That's the best self-help. Meditate on the Gospels. Do a little Lectio Divina. Just read one. Uh, one or two passages from a gospel reading, and see what that means to you. See what that says to your heart. That's going to be what's important. That's what's going to bring you peace, because the world's not going to bring you peace. A self-help book, maybe we can read something, and it inspires us uh, to feel a little bit more relaxed. That's great. But did it get us closer to Christ? Ultimately, the only thing that's going to be therapeutic spiritually is getting closer to Christ. That's it. That's the bottom line. Why? Because that's the whole message of the Bible. That's the whole message of the Gospels. That's actually the whole message of any prophetic revelation. Shall we say that? You know, after after the after the revelation of Christ to His apostles, we're not obliged to believe anything as far as apparitions or anything like that in the in the Catholic Church. But when it comes to apparitions, how do we know that they're valid? How? Why does the Vatican say that they're worthy of belief? Because they look at a few things and they say, ultimately, are the messages from this apparition, whether they're scary or not scary, whether they're prophetic, whether they're end times or not, do they bring us closer to Christ as a church? Are they asking me to be closer to Christ? Are they uh, in any way impeding me from getting closer to Christ? That's the ultimate battle that we have, regardless of the wars that we come up with on our own, shall we say, because we're human beings and we're going to argue. This is, you know, There can be on the grand scale like wars that are happening now they can be on the small scale there's uh, people who are arguing with their siblings who haven't spoken to their siblings who is at war here you know there's different wars that we have but the question is how is fighting this war going to get me closer to christ is it worth my spiritual time that's really what it comes down to what am i doing with my spiritual time i know what i'm doing my earthly time my earthly time i'm trying to um raise a family have a job Uh, Earn a living. Make sure that we're taking care of friends and socializing. You know, we look at the material things. Do we have enough? Do we have enough to eat? Do we have enough to have a roof over our heads? We're always making sure of that. But then, do we look at our spiritual spiritual time? What am I doing spiritually for myself? One of the things to consider is this. Okay, people say, "I understand all the gospels. I hear them every Sunday at church." Um, You know they will actually say, I don't find much inspiration from the gospels. I read them and I read them and, and that's fine. But and I get it sometimes because people, it feels like the gospels, the Bible, and that it is written. It feels like, gosh, I was so old. It's from such a far away time that I can't really relate to it. You know, it's not like I'm going out there and seeing, you know, if I were there in the time of Jesus, if I were transported back there, yeah, I would totally. My faith would be great. People, we imagine that, right? We say, "Well, I would see Jesus." I'd be looking for Christ. That's us knowing what we know now. We'd be looking for Christ because we read the Gospels and we know how the story ends. When Jesus was there and He was creating miracles, people were taking a risk, you know, to be to say to proclaim that Jesus was the Son of God. You risking the same fate as Christ because nobody believed that Christ was the Son of God when He told us that, in spite of all the miracles and everything that He did. Um, and if somebody goes around and says, "Hey," this is the man who healed me, and he, I believe he's the son of God, they're risking also people saying that that's blasphemy, because how do you know who the son of God is? So, it's an interesting situation to be in. Interesting as far as um, when we think about, that feels like it's so long ago, you know, what can I do now? What I would say is this, if we look at the Gospels, if we look at the New Testament, I think it's still being written. We're still writing the New Testament, every time we see a new story, all of our all of our history books, that's part of the New Testament. And the reason I say that is obviously not all the stories are directly about Christ or what people did for Christ. So we look at the history books right now, history is being rewritten, and we're going to see, you know, or I should say it continues to be written, and we're going to see these wars in the Middle East add up in the history books, and what did we do about it? But biblical history, <clears throat> we like, look: Jesus came, there's the Acts of the Apostles, and then there's all the epistles all the letters from St. Peter, St. Paul, James. So, we look at that, 1 John, 2 John, and we look at these um, epistles, and we realize people are witnessing, giving us their experience of what their life was like because of their encounter with Christ, how their life changed because of their encounter with Christ. Are we writing our book? Are we writing that, or are we saving, um, compiling uh, other people's experience in Writing that book for ourselves. You know, what I mean by that is, are we looking at who is still preaching the gospel? What other books would I continue to add to the Bible? Because the Bible is still growing. Remember, the Bible is just about salvation history, and we're still in the midst of salvation history. I would say this this is what I would recommend to people. If they're saying, hey, the Bible, you know, it's so old, it doesn't really speak to me anymore, it doesn't really say much to me anymore. I would say, who is still adding to the Bible? Who is still um, in our present day and time telling us, hey, this is what you have to live out. This is where you have to continue to be Catholic and continue in your battle with Christ. Well, I would say this. If you go to the webpage for the Diocese of Tyler, Texas, Diocese of Tyler, and you go, actually go to bishopstrickland.com, why do I say that? Go to bishopstrickland.com. Look under news. Look at his letters that he's putting out. These are I read these letters, and they're just like the writings of St. Paul. They're just like the writings of Peter. They remind me of, you know, I could read some of this, and it sounds like it would be something of the second reading of church. Why is that important? Because this is current to our times. If you're reading uh, the letters that Bishop Strickland has put out, it's no different. How is this any different than what St. Paul is telling people in, in the uh in, in the Bible and in, in the epistles that we read? When he puts out his letters, I'm like, these are the epistles of Bishop Strickland, you know. Are do they bring me peace? Am I gonna read them and realize, hey, this is what's important to my faith now? This is what I need to focus on. Well, I want to read his last letter, uh, because I think it was very, very important, especially in our current times, because what we need to remember is that even in the midst of war, even in the midst of our modern, um, say, different wars, spiritual wars, heresies, we're worried about the synod that's going on for the Catholic faith. What's that doing to our faith? That's a bit of a spiritual war. There's different wars, different fronts. We can't lose sight of the truth, whether it be the physical wars, like in the Middle East, that people are trying to flee and have to leave the country for, or whether it be spiritual wars, I think that the most important thing is keep it on Christ. Let's read this letter a little bit. This is the last letter that he put out. It was from October 10th. This is it's his sixth letter. And he calls it, um, it's titled, his pastoral letter regarding the error of universalism. What does that mean? And why is that important to us in our spiritual war? Let's look at it. This is important to consider. Where are we at in our hearts? We can be worried about what's going on in the world, but you know, I don't know when my last day on earth is what am i doing for my self-help am i adding to my bible this is what bishop strickland says he says dear sons and daughters in christ already he starts a letter if we look at that we already start to see something about this letter i'm going to analyze it a little bit from a psychiatric perspective because this is what's important about the validity of this bishop being a bishop first of all let's back up there what does it mean that he's a bishop you know he's in direct line from the apostles so i believe that the holy spirit was inspired in making him a bishop and he's telling me about the basic tenets of the truth i believe that this is inspired by the holy spirit let's read through it and make sure that there's no error right as far as we know based on the magisterium of the church he starts with dear sons and daughters in christ i know we're coming up on the break here in a little bit but just even reading that opening how he addresses the people this is coming from him as a pastoral father he's addressing us as sons and daughters He's giving us fatherly love, fatherly wisdom. How many of us need that in this world today? Well, I'll tell you what, folks. Let's read this letter. Let's look at a few paragraphs. Let's see what that means in our modern world. All right, folks. Welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to The Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about what does it mean to be at war, whether it be here on Earth, whether it be physical war that well actually it's always on earth right we experience war regardless of the type but what i mean is whether it's a physical type war, a tangible war what man created war with bombs and uh, fighting and killing or whether it's a little bit more on a spiritual level where we don't always see the um the weapons used against us and before we know it uh there you know it's a play it's a war for our mind it's a battle for the mind um you know, it, it's tough to consider. It's tough to see these different wars and to say, "How do I fight them? Why am I a part of them?" I do not want to be at war. But sometimes war finds us, and that can be a little bit challenging. So, one of the things that we need to look at is well, I'm looking at our different articles, and I'll just read you headlines. And it says, "Well, there's a headline here: protests erupt in the Middle East, big U.S. cities." Uh, on high alert, as Hamas calls for action. So one of the things is, I was saying, we need to be grateful about the fact that relatively for now, there's nothing going on around us directly, but we always need to be on alert. Now we're a worldwide connected, technologically advanced world, as we say, technologically advanced for us as human beings, um, which means that not only can we find out immediately about different wars erupting, but now that we're connected worldwide, the war can be brought anywhere, really, um, to anywhere in the world. It doesn't have to be in one particular place. For now, it feels like in the areas here in the U.S., we're at peace, but it's good to be aware. What do we do? Um, you know, there's already evacuation orders. Uh, here's another headline, Israel issues evacuation order to Gaza civilians. Um, but Hamas blocks them from leaving. So it's an interesting battle back and forth, and it really comes down to people just want to live um and if we were to ask anybody here if they were to say hey the war is going to come here you got to be careful we'd say we just want to live peacefully we don't want any wars but sometimes a war finds us well the same thing can happen spiritually where you say hey I just want to live out my faith I don't need any wars I don't need any challenges but sometimes unfortunately the war finds us what do we do what do we do when that happens whether it be a physical war here on the planet whether it be the spiritual war for our mind and heart um i would say we need to turn to the truths of christ either way uh, regardless of what's going on regardless of um, what's happening in our environment because a lot of times what happens is we get laxed in the truth and following the truth when we are at times of peace um and we forget how important this is we we start to make other things more important material goods um my my uh need to be right I need to not forgive somebody because that would mean that what they did was okay. You know, when it comes time to wartime, all that goes out the window and it's just a matter of, hey, what's important here and now what's important today. Well, I was reading this letter here from the Diocese of Tyler, Texas from Bishop Strickland, Office of the Bishop, dated October 10th, 2023. And I was looking at the opening. Why? Because I tell people the best self help book is the Bible. And I am personally adding to my Bible. Um, what I do is I take these letters from Bishop Strickland and I put them right in the back of the Bible because all he's doing is letting me know, Hey, these are the basic truths today, just like they were 2000 years ago, over 2000 years ago, whenever the truths of the Bible were written, or even less than 2000 years ago for most of those books were not written right at the time of Christ's passing. Um, but you know, it's all important. What's the bottom line truth? What's going to help me get closer to Christ and closer to heaven? so as we read this letter from bishop strickland before the break i was saying let's look at how he started the letter He said, my dear sons and daughters in christ sons and daughters he's already letting us know i'm speaking to you as a father as a spiritual father as a bishop that i am that's really what the bottom line is as a bishop doesn't get higher than that sure you can be elected to be pope but the pope is not ordained a pope he's elected to the pope he's still a bishop as far as his uh holy orders ranking shall we say Um, and so this is another Bishop who's telling us equal truths. Uh, let's see here, or, you know, truths as Christ left it for us from the deposit of the faith. This is what he says. He says, is it an honor and a joy to continue to share the basic truths of our Catholic faith with you? As we now delve more deeply into the sixth truth I outlined in my pastoral letter of August 22nd, 2023. Here's something that's important to consider. If anybody knows about the history of Bishop uh, Strickland right now, we know that he's being watched he hasn't been treated a lot of people don't feel he's been treated fairly uh by the Vatican a lot of you know a lot of question of should he retire and the question is why what has he done to uh to to have that in question to for the Vatican or for anybody to start to say that you know he should step down what did he do that was so bad about that in spite of all this, he starts off by saying that it is an honor and a joy to continue to share the basic truths of our Catholic faith. Bishop Strickland is going through his own war, if you will, his own professional war, spiritual war as a bishop, being questioned, um, being told that he shouldn't speak about the deposit of the faith, or that he shouldn't even just ask a question of the Pope and say, "Hey, what's going on here? I'm I'm a little confused. Uh, please clarify." And that seems to be a problem, but. In the midst of all that, he still feels honor and joy to continue to share the basic truths of the Catholic faith. To me, that sounds like, if I look back at the history of the church and we say, gosh, this isn't, where is our faith in modern times? You know, I can read, a lie, I can read the Bible. I can read the lives of saints. Those happened so long ago. You know, the saints, the martyrs, they were happening so long ago. I don't, it doesn't resonate with me. Well, I guess one of the questions is, <clears throat> does this resonate? Excuse me. does does the reality of what the bishop um, is saying here resonate with us he's being told he shouldn't do this and yet he's doing it with honor and joy honor and joy in the midst of being questioned and being evaluated and being told that maybe um he needs to step down but he takes honor and joy in what in himself and the fact that he's a bishop and the fact that he has all this authority no he takes honor and joy in sharing the basic truths of our Catholic faith. What does that mean? He's doing his job. You know, as a bishop, he's saying, what's my job, really, more than anything else, is to preach the good news. And what are the good news? The basic truths of our Catholic faith. This is what he says, that he outlined in his pastoral letter from August 22nd, the belief that all men and women will be saved regardless of how they live their lives. A concept commonly referred to as universalism is false and is dangerous, and it contradicts what Jesus tells us repeatedly in the gospel. Jesus says we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. He's quoting Matthew 16, 24. You know, this is what's beautiful about Bishop's teaching here, Bishop Strickland's teaching. He's going right back to the gospel. He's not saying, listen, you need to think this way. This is what Jesus would have done. This is the way Jesus Jesus would have loved everybody. Jesus would have said peace and joy to everybody. Jesus would have said that, you know, everybody's uh, uh, the same and everybody's going to be saved. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Quite the opposite. This is important to hear in times of war because a lot of times we get lax and people say, Oh, don't worry, nothing's a sin, and you're going to be okay and you're always going to everybody's going to be saved. And the bishop's telling us quite the opposite. He says this is false and dangerous to believe that. That's called universalism. You know, men and women will all be saved regardless. This is important from a from a Catholic psychological perspective, because he's telling us, hey, that's not what Jesus said. You know, when so many people say, Oh, Jesus would have done this or said this or that the bishop's trying to get me closer to Christ himself. And he's saying, no, let's look at what Jesus actually said in the gospel. And I'm telling you that as a bishop today, looking at the scriptures from 2000 years ago and telling you it all still works today. It all still holds true today. He says, we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. Deny ourselves. That doesn't feel good. And he's quoting the gospel. It's not like he's, you know, how many people when they talk about what Jesus is saying or what Jesus, uh, what the truths of the gospel are, uh, when they talk about this, do they actually go back and quote the gospel and say, look, this is what it means because this is what it says in the gospel? Or do people just say, no, it was all peace and love. You know, Jesus, Jesus wouldn't have said that. Well, we don't know what Jesus would not have said or would have said, but we do know what Jesus did say. And this is what's important from a healthy, psychological, spiritual perspective. Don't go back and look at what could have been or wasn't, you know, it's never good to speculate. Let's just look at what Jesus actually said and what that means. This is what the bishop goes on to say. He has given us the way through his grace to victory over sin and death through repentance and sacramental confession. How many priests are talking about confession? As the wars are coming in, whether it be physical wars that we see now or the spiritual wars that are happening, How well-equipped am I to fight these wars if I have not gone to actually make a confession? A confession, I kind of call it like a profession of the truth. The truth is this. This is where I failed. Why? Because Jesus is the truth, and Jesus told me if this is right or wrong, and I didn't follow that. So this is my profession of the truth. The truth is, this is what Jesus said is true. This is where I failed. I'm making a confession about it. That's my confession. That's really what it comes down to. That's the examination of conscience. Where have I failed? To follow exactly what jesus told me to do that's what it comes down to but how do i know this if all i do is imagine that no jesus would have just been peace and love it doesn't work that way i got to know the hard truths and that's what the bishop is letting me know in this time of war he's saying hey in the spiritual war you have to realize what is the truth and it's not always going to feel good or sound good he goes on to say it is essential that we embrace the joy and hope as well as the freedom that come from repentance and humbly confessing our sins. So here's another thing to consider in the spiritual battle. When we confess our sins, we don't like to go to confession. We look at what we call the ugly truth. The ugly truth is, where have I failed? What have I done wrong? What is it that's going on in my heart where I have failed Christ? We don't like to see that. We feel ashamed. We feel embarrassed by our sins. But he's telling us it's essential that we embrace joy and hope, as well as freedom, that comes from repentance and humbly confessing our sins. There's going to be a victory. It's our own victory. We go back to the victory of the cross with that. When we confess our sins and realize, hey, Jesus can really solve my spiritual um, problems, and he's going to be the best self-help I've got out there, if I do go to confess it, if I do go and say, honestly speaking, this war that's going on inside of me, this is what's going on. This is the war that I brought on myself because of my own sins. You know we worry about the war outside and what's going to happen and how am i going to uh you know flee a country if it's at war or or you know with the poor people in the middle east right now going back and forth not sure if they're going to live or die but what about the war that we bring on ours on ourselves by our sins this is where the bishop is saying hey you get rid of that this is the true self-help i mean ultimate self-help is confession i'm going to go to confession i'm going to confess my sins and what's going to happen after that? What's going to happen after this war? I'm going to experience joy and hope and freedom. You know, isn't that what people are fighting for? If we look right now, you go online and look at the headlines, people want freedom, regardless of of which side they're on. They want to be free from war and they want to be able to live out their faith. Well, the reality is there's repentance, humbling, confession. That gives us our own spiritual freedom. We're free to follow Christ in our hearts, and in, in our souls, in when we come back from the break. All right, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you're listening to The Dr. Sandoval Show. Today's show, we're talking about war, we're talking about what does that mean for us. Obviously there's the physical wars that we see here on the planet. But what about the spiritual wars that we face individually? And quite honestly, it feels like we face them alone because they're going on on our interior life. Um, it can be kind of scary, you know. I don't know how I'm going to die. I just don't, you know. Some sins were, some some saints were blessed with knowing that, or they knew how, you know, their what their timely end was going to be, or understood that. Jesus knew how he was going to die. He knew that it was not going to be fun. And he knew he was going to be tortured. Death can be scary. But the question is, are we ready for it? Are we battling to get to heaven? Because these wars that we experience here, you know, we're, it's going to be, it, those are horrible. We look at it, and if we look at the current war in the Middle East, were the people in Israel ready for the attack from Hamas? I don't know that they were thinking, I could possibly die today. Am I ready to meet God? You know, at whatever level, if you're, you know, if you're Jewish and you still don't understand, haven't come to understand Jesus Christ as the Messiah, uh, if you haven't come to understand that, how are you worshiping God? Are you ready to meet God? Are you ready to follow your faith the way, or, or excuse me, have you been following your faith the way that you know that you should? Are you are you ready for to die right now? I don't know. I don't know that we are. I don't know that we think about that. Have I done what I needed to do to survive and to move forward? I don't know about that. I think one of the things that we need to do, and the ultimate thing, ultimate thing that we can do as Catholics, is say. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to meet Jesus right now. Let's look at it this way. Let's, I mean, when we think about death, that can be scary. Um, but we don't want to think about death. What if we look at it from a, from the flip side, if I were to tell you, Hey, Jesus just appeared and he's about to walk into the room and he wants to say hi to you. Am I ready for that moment? that's really, I mean, when we think about death, we think about scary. I don't know what's going to happen. How am I going to die? And especially in the middle of wars or bomb blood guts, we think about these horrific images, But ultimately, when we pass, I I don't know how it's going to be. I might not feel anything if it's in the middle of the war. If the bomb just goes off right in front of me, I might not even know it. But ultimately, am I ready for Jesus to walk into the room or for me to go walk into a room where Jesus is and sit down and talk to him? Am I ready for that moment? That's where I think we don't think about that part of death. We think about leaving the physical world. We think about the pain that can be involved in death, and rightfully so, because as human beings, there's a reason we experience pain. If pain wasn't uh, part of our existence, or I should say, God made pain part of our existence. And I think that as Catholics, we know that there is redemptive suffering. Through our pain, we can actually gain a higher place in heaven. We can make up for our sins. We can help our fellow man through the uh, communion of saints. The, all these things are very real and it can happen. But are we ready for that? Have we been battling spiritually for ourselves? Well, before the break, I was reading this letter from. Um, Bishop Trickland, I'm just reading the first paragraph. I'm not going to even go further than that. You know, his letter is a beautiful pastoral letter. I encourage everybody to go to his website and read it. It's about three and a half pages long. It's beautiful in terms of talking about how we don't have a choice but to follow Christ, that we're not just going to be saved by just our own existence, and that Christ is not just going to forgive all of our sins, that there is a very real need for confession. Why? Because we're going through that spiritual battle ourselves, we're going through a spiritual war against sin. But when we left off before the break, we were talking about confession and why that's important. Bishop Strickland, he uses the the words of the military words that pertain to a war and victory over this war if we look at his language. The last sentence I read here is, it is essential that we embrace the joy and hope as well as the freedom that come from repentance and humbly confessing our sins joy hope freedom these are beautiful things that come from repentance humbly forgiving our sins let's look at the next sentence though because this is where we really see that militaristic language the reality that we got to look at what kind of war we're experiencing through repentance and sacramental confession every battle he uses the word battle with temptation So temptation is a battle. We got to remember that. A lot of times we we forget that temptation is a battle. Let me finish the sentence and then we can analyze it a little bit. Every battle with temptation and sin can be a small victory that leads us to embrace the great victory that Christ has won for us. He uses the word battle there. We look at what's going on in the world, it's no different than what the bishop here is telling us as in, in terms of repentance and confession. What does that mean? It's a battle. So what's a battle? Two warring uh, factions, two warring countries, two warring peoples come to battle. Well, what's our battle here? It's a battle with temptation. Temptation, whether it's just natural human concupiscence, which means that we sadly have a desire to sin, or if it's a temptation from the demonic, from the dark side, either way, it's a battle. The question is, are we fighting it? A lot of times people feel, oh no, I had a temptation. So that's a sin in and of itself. I feel really bad because I had a bad thought come to my head, or I feel really bad because I thought poorly of somebody, or I feel really bad. And what we forget is that's, that's the war. That's not, you haven't done anything wrong. That's the war that's being presented to you. The question is, what are you doing about it? Are you resisting it? Or are you accepting it? Are you saying, no, I'm going to take up my arms. I'm going to fight it. Or are you saying, you know what? It's too strong for me. I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to accept it. That's really the war that we're going on with. He says, every battle with temptation, the real question is, are we battling it? He says, temptation and sin, right? Because, and I like that he makes that distinction right there, because that's what I'm talking about. Every battle with temptation and sin. So he makes a distinction between temptation and sin. Temptation itself is not a sin. Temptation can lead to sin if we don't battle it. That's important to consider. But every time we do, it's a small victory that leads us to embrace the great victory that Christ has won for us letting us know that Christ is our general. Christ and Our Lady, right there in front of our of our battle lines, are we prepared for potentially meeting Christ today? Have I been battling when I meet Christ? Am I going to be able to tell him, Christ, I've been battling. I have been battling for you. I've been battling um, all these temptations. I have been fighting. Him. I see these temptation bombs coming my way, and I either have to run for shelter, or I'm going to go fight back. I'm going to fight back and protect. How do we fight back? Well, let's finish reading this paragraph and we can see and we can talk a little bit about how am I going to fight back at this battle? Because that's one of the things that happens. Am I prepared for the temptation? He says, we are all sinners and we are all in need of a savior because we are all born into original sin and therefore subject to its consequences. These wars that we're seeing in the world right now, that's all it is. It's a consequence of original sin. Why are we at war with each other when our focus should be on God? Original sin was the first sin that was committed by our parents, Adam and Eve, in disobedience of God. Now notice, Let me back up a little bit because he did make a Bible reference when he said we are all sinners and we are all in need of a savior because we are all born into original sin and therefore subject to consequences. He quotes Romans chapter five, verse 12 to 21. Again, going back to the basic truths of the Bible, nothing new, just the basic truths of the Bible. He's not making this up himself. He's not he's not telling us, hey, you know, this is my own opinion. He's saying, No, this is in the Bible. This is what I'm going off of. I'm not making up something new. So that original sin is now a hereditary stain in which we are all born on account of our of our descent from Adam and Eve. So we've inherited this. We've inherited these battles. What are we doing about them? He said this is an original sin is an ongoing privation of God's grace. And because of its effect on our lives, we as humans are born in a state of separation from God. If we were left in the state of original sin, we would be eternally separated from God because nothing unclean will be allowed to enter into heaven. Again, he quotes Revelation. 21 verse 27. He's not making this up. People would say, Well, what are you talking about? What do you mean that? You know, some people will not go into heaven. Again, remember this letter is about universalism and saying, Don't worry about what you're going to do, don't worry about wars, don't worry about dying because everybody's going to go to heaven, live life as you want. And he's saying, No, in the midst of all this, there's a very big reality check that we have to have that not everybody's going to make it to heaven if we don't follow God. Everybody has a potential. Everybody, God gives us all the same tools. It's important to consider, regardless of where we were born in the world, if we turn our hearts to God and we accept God as our Savior, and seeing him, seeing Jesus as our Savior, realizing that we have committed wrong, and only through his mercy can we be forgiven and get to heaven. That's all it takes. If we reject God's mercy, if we're not ready to accept it, that's what's going to lead us to hell. That's the bottom line. But the bishop quotes Revelation 21-27, and he says, hey, if we were left in the state of original sin, we would be eternally separated from God, because nothing unclean will be allowed to enter into heaven. The big reality check for those people who say, nope, it doesn't matter what we do. No, he's telling us we got to be ready for this. You got to be ready to be clean. He says, however, through baptism, God has made a way for us to be justified in him through Jesus Christ alone, and to remove not only the the stain of original sin for our first parents, which we carry, but also the stain of all actual sins we commit ourselves. He's very realistic here. Bishop Strickland, like a dad, is talking to us, and he's saying, hey, I'm being realistic about this. I'm not lying to you and telling you that any of us are perfect. He includes himself in this. This is the truth of the battle. We have to look at ourselves and acknowledge for ourselves, have I sinned? Where have I sinned? Where have I fallen short in this battle that's going on? Am I ready to meet Jesus today? That's really what it comes down to. When I see these wars, it breaks my heart to think that, you know, people were not allowed to prepare for that final moment before dying. And yet at the same time, I think, well, no, we are allowed to prepare. Have we prepared? It's it's very different to say, well, you know, you're going to die. You know, something's going to happen. So prepare that way. Okay. What about, I I know I'm going to die. I just don't know when, you know, I see this all the time, especially in medicine, uh, when people are, come with terminal illnesses the most common one that we think about is cancer um is you know we say gosh you got about six months to live maybe two years and people say i'm going to prepare for that now for the i'm going to live my life differently because i know that i only have i only have so much time to live but well, what about the rest of us we also only have so much time to live i just don't know how much i don't know if it's going to be today tomorrow I assume, you know, 50 years from now, we all say, oh, we're going to live to be 100. I think we imagine that we're going to be um, older. We're going to be, have a, what we call a full life and, you know, be ready for uh, our deathbed. And like, we're going to see it coming kind of like the sunset. We see the dawn, you know, in the morning, we new birth, and then all of a sudden the sunset comes in. And we're going to, I think, imagine that, that we're going to say, oh, I see my death coming. I'm going to start to prepare for it. We don't know how long we have to live. We have to prepare now. But are we in that mindset? Because of what the bishop says at the end of this first paragraph, this is just the first paragraph, it's already so rich. It's already such a rich letter. I'm saving all his letters, I'm putting them in my Bible. That's the bottom line. I mean, it's it's a continuation of, of the, I'm gonna call it the, bishop, the book of uh, Bishop Strickland. He says, and for our sins, after we have been baptized, God has given us the sacrament of reconciliation, also called confession or penance, in order to allow us to repent and be cleansed of the stain of our sins that's the bottom line, folks. Wars are going to happen. They can be scary. But the scariest one is, I would say, not being ready to meet Christ, not having had fought that spiritual war, not having had resisted temptation and saying, no, you know what? We're better than that. We were made for heaven. Christ made us. God made us. He's God is the one who gave me my soul. And that's what I got to preserve at all costs, because nothing is worth losing my eternal soul to hell and not going to heaven. The reality of this letter, beautiful letter, again, I recommend for anybody to read it. I only read the first paragraph. It's already so rich. is the bishop reminding us, bishop strictly reminding us, as a spiritual father who's taking care of his kids, hey, you do have sins. We all have sins. Remember, he said, ourselves commit sins, including himself. And we all have to go to the sacrament of confession. Why? Let's remove that sin. Let's fight for Christ. And let's prepare for, not death, but for life with Christ in heaven for coming here on the end of the show, folks. And all I want to say is if there's anybody afraid to the wars, because of sin, let's get back to Christ. Let's get back to the sacrament. Confession, communion, and let's be at peace. Keep it Catholic.